Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 228 and this podcast is with the head physio of the Israeli national team, Nimrod Mahler. Nimrod goes into his background, he discusses the standard of Israeli football medicine and sports science support. He talks about some of the challenges they face, including temperature, the war, the conflict, low budgets and a number of others as well. He also discusses working under and with Jordi Cruyff and Yossi Benayoun, as well as a few other ex-professionals too. And then we have an interesting discussion around um, the use of AI and where this is actually going to go within the game. So he discusses some of his experiences with uh, using a company that they've been supporting them on the use of AI. And to be honest, I was all ears on this bit because like I mentioned in the episode, I'm a complete novice in this area. But I know that there is pretty um, strong, strong research and um, developments in this area as well. And it's definitely not going to go away. It's going to be interesting how we can utilize it within our practice as well. So loads of topics covered in this episode again. So I hope you enjoy the episode with Nimrod. I've got to say as well, massive respect to him because English is obviously not his first language. But he absolutely nails it in this episode. So big shout out to Nimrod for coming on. I said to him at the end when we stopped recording, I couldn't imagine going on to another podcast where the language wasn't my first language and doing the podcast like he has. So full respect to him. And yeah, it would be great for you to give this one a share for Nimrod because he's he's done absolutely amazing and covered some great information in this episode. Just a quick heads up on our events. So we, as this podcast goes out, we actually ran one of our events at Leeds United last night. So thank you very much to everyone that came out to the event. Our next confirmed event is Thursday the 6th of April over in Dublin at the National Games Development Centre with Des Ryan and Shane Murphy presenting. Tickets are still available for that one. As this podcast goes out, early bird tickets are still available. So go to footballfitfed.com, click the shop tab and then networking events to grab your tickets. We will have some more events to be confirmed very soon. And just on that point, if anyone wants to host or speak an event, please reach out and let me know because we are looking to book some more events for this year. So regardless of where you are, um, we want to try and get some few different a few different areas of the, of the country covered. So please reach out and we're going to be confirming those in the next few weeks. Also, thank you to everyone that's left us a review recently. We're still just under 80 reviews over on the podcast app on the App Store. So please help us out. I want us to get over 100 as soon as possible. So if you're listening on that app, please pause it, click the five stars and leave us a short comment. I really would appreciate it. Also over on Spotify, if you are one of our Spotify listeners, It's even easier because all you need to do is just go to the top of the podcast and click the five stars. I'm just checking right now how many we've got on Spotify. So there's 52 on Spotify and I know there's plenty of people that listen over on there. So if that that is you, again, just pause the podcast for us, click the five stars. It really would help us out. We've got some really big guests coming in the next few podcasts, including when we've put uh, surveys out before, and that's who you want on the podcast. There's always one name that comes up time and time again, and that person is coming on the podcast very soon. So I'm really excited about that um, and help us out, get more people just like that by boosting the um, numbers on the podcast 
by clicking a few more reviews. I really would appreciate it. Just before we get into the episode, a massive thank you to our sponsors. First up, Hytro. Have you ever tried blood flow restriction for recovery? Hytro have developed the world's first BFR wearable, unlocking the recovery benefits of BFR to support athletes. BFR is no longer just for one-to-one physio or rehab. Hytro allows teams to use this safe and scalable sports BFR device post-exercise to dramatically enhance recovery. Whether in the changing room post-game, during away game travel, in the hotel or at home, Hytro has created a simple and effective tool that allows BFR to be delivered to athletes and squads simultaneously, safely and more conveniently than ever before. So go and check them out at hytro.com, that's H-Y-T-R-O.com, or you can email Warren, that's Warren Bradley, on warren at hytro.com to find out how Hytro BFR can give your athletes a competitive edge. And anyone that's watching the video version of the podcast will see that I've got one of the Hytro t-shirts on, um, and they are great, I use, I use mine all the time. Also, a huge thank you to Rezzle. Go and check them out on socials and result.com and let's get over to the podcast now. Episode 228 with Nimrod Mala. Rezzle is the world's number one virtual reality sports trainer. Whatever your team, your sport, your ability, improve your game and train like a pro. Rezzle, Rezzle. Reactions, performance, accuracy, stamina, resilience. Train at home in the Rezzle Sports and Fitness VR Training Arena. Search Rezzle, R-E-Z-Z-I-L. Harder, stronger, smarter. The world's number one virtual reality sports trainer. Available now on MetaQuest. Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 228. I'm delighted to be joined on the podcast today by Nimrod Myler. Nimrod, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Wow, it's a pleasure and it's an honour to be on it. As a, as a listener, uh, I think you have a great podcast. You're doing a great job. I must say also as, as, as a person who has his own podcast in Israel, uh, to reach this number is a dream for me. You know, we are just in, I think we are in uh, number 36 episodes. Oh, good way. No, good way. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. I think there's a, there's a crazy stat, isn't there, on podcasts? I think a majority yes. of podcasts don't even make it past like 10 yes, or something exactly. like that. Yeah, so we're in yeah. we're in the minority. We're doing all right. You are, you are a pro. <laughs> <laughs> no, Nimrod, thank yeah. you for coming on. I appreciate you obviously reached out um, after the last episode and said about coming yeah. on, and I really appreciate you coming on. I've not mentioned your role, head yeah. physio for the Israeli national team, so I know we can cover some really cool stuff today. <laughs> but also um, what you've previously done as well, which I want to dive into. So can you just take us back, take us on a little bit of a journey that leads us up into your role now? I can I can try, yeah. Well, um, I'm 45 years old. I I was born in a kibbutz. I don't know if you know what that is back there in England, but it's a, it's a kind of a settlement way of living uh, that's a completely different podcast, you know, uh, to talk about what, what that means. Look it up. It's very interesting. Um, uh, grew up, uh, went to the army like every Israeli. There I was in a uh, like an elite unit, fighting uh, unit. Um, and I was a fighter. And uh, after I left, uh, three years after that, went to, to the university, studied physiotherapy for four years. That's uh, 
And in the last year of, uh, in the fourth year, uh, I was very, very lucky to to get uh, in, to be invited, me and a colleague of mine, a friend of mine, um, to a football club in the first division, in which the physio uh, wanted to go for a holiday for three weeks, and he was looking for someone to replace him for three weeks. And we jumped, we jumped in, we, we, and we came there knowing almost nothing about what to do and uh, everything. And we just, uh, we just worked very, very hard for three weeks. And they, uh, apparently they liked us, the, the players, the owners. And uh, in the end of that season, uh, they called us and they asked us if they want, if we want to come and work in their academy, um, uh, of that team, it's a it's a team called Bnei Yehuda. Now it's in the second division, but at the time, for usually it's in the first division. I worked there for four years, um, and the first two years were a combination of working in the academy and uh, one or two days a week uh, re uh, replacing the head physio of the first team, and uh, also accompanying him in every game. Um, and uh, the other two years, he decided he, he, he left and uh, me and my friend stayed there alone in the first team. After that, I went, uh, I, I moved to a team called Beitar Jerusalem. It's a team in, in Jerusalem, also first division, a bigger club, much bigger. I mean, uh, at least by fans and, and uh, tradition. I worked there for one season. Then I came back to Bnei Yehuda which was for one more season. And then I went in and started, I moved to Maccabi Tel Aviv, uh, in which I worked for almost eight years, where uh, my, I would say my biggest uh, development, uh, professional development happened there. Uh, we, can, uh, we can talk about that because I think it's interesting. Uh, after one year I was working there, uh, the owner decided to change the, how would I say it? He decided to go for a foreign uh, staff. He brought in uh, Jordi Cruyff, uh, the son of Johan Cruyff, uh, who was the technical director uh, um, of the team. And uh, Jordi brought uh, uh, the whole staff, uh, the, the technical staff, you say, uh, um, yeah. um, Spanish, who came, who came over and they did a huge revolution in how we work I, I i learned everything i know i learned from in a way from them of how to work in a professional team until then looking back until then we were almost uh almost um uh, what's the word not professional the other thing like amateur or semi-professional yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It, it's almost as if we were amateur you know until i met them and we, they changed everything um during those eight years, I got to work with very interesting people, uh, uh, managers like uh, Paolo Sosa, um, Paco Aisteran, who was the uh, he was the assistant coach of Rafa Benitez in a, in a Liverpool, um, um, and about after seven, almost eight years, I I left again. Uh, under a bit less uh, good circumstances, but never mind. I will not get into that. And then I was I worked two more years in Beitar Jerusalem. During those years, I also started working in the Israeli national team, and I've been working there ever since. I I left the football clubs about 
almost two years ago um, and returned to another love of mine is uh, working in a private clinic um, with the same friend who started the football working in the football with me he opened the clinic during those years um, and it's the I, it's the biggest sports clinic in Israel called physio pro and here uh, I do some private work and I'm uh, we have like we have a lab uh, of a performance lab with the uh, force plates uh, um, Kanga tech if you know which is the muscle strength and uh, uh, timing gates and all almost all kind of technology that we could uh, put our hands on. And uh, what we're trying to do right now is to develop a system of, of uh, rehabilitation, a criteria-based rehabilitation with uh, scientific tests to, to test uh, patients during rehabilitation and to kind of giving the green light to, to move between one stage to the other in a safe way. And we are exploring this uh, field, trying to sometimes invent things, sometimes learn new things about it. And uh, it's great. We I love it. And also having a podcast, like I said at the beginning, which is also very, it's my huge passion right now, uh, which it's called, uh, uh, we call ourselves in English, it would be, it's called the Sports Physio Podcast. But uh, in Hebrew, it's a, it's a game on words. Um, uh, when you say behind the tears in Hebrew, it sounds like behind the scenes. So okay. in a way, it's behind the scenes of the tears, which is uh, in, in which we, we uh, host like um, famous, successful athletes, Israeli athletes in all fields of sports. And we interview them about their career from the medical point of view. We ask them about their, they tell us about their big injuries they had, uh, um, you know, how it affected them, how, how, how it felt, what did they do, what did they, solutions did they find, how it, did it change them? Um, and uh, hopefully, you know, giving, helping other people who are in this situation right now to, to hear how it was done with the pros and also to help uh, young physios a bit to learn about, uh, about, you know, sports injuries and so on. So that's that's all. That's where I am right now. Brilliant. On the podcast, Nimrod, we didn't discuss this before. I'm going to put you on the spot with this. But oh, yeah. you said about talking to a lot of athletes. What, uh, what's what been like the main either shock or main takeaway from – and I'm sure there's quite a few with the people well, that, yeah. you speak, that you've spoken to so far. But is there anything yeah. that stands out? Yes. Uh, first of all, uh, I would say that uh, a major injury in an in a athlete's uh, career is always, almost always a changing point. It's like uh, uh, in many cases, it's the point where where they, they turn from children to adults, from semi-pros to professional. They, they evolved from that, uh, that situation, being in the lowest point, where they almost feel like they're gonna maybe lost their their career and identity problems, uh, to evolving to a better athlete and a better that's the maybe the thing that repeats itself every time. Um, uh, they, what else? That that's the first thing that came in comes into mind. But it's yeah, you're so right with that, though. Like, because you, you hear a lot of people speaking about that, don't you? And whether that is 
players not necessarily focusing so much on the, the S&C side and then suddenly taking it more seriously or yeah. just knowing that that extra work needs to be done because they don't want to get injured again, do they? You don't and, want that same yeah. injury. And and they learn so much. The, you know, yeah. it's, not, it's not surprising that many physiotherapists, and I guess same with S&Cs, are, are, uh, are, are uh, previous athletes that, let's say, got injured. And they learned so much during this injury rehabilitation, which they made them, it, it caused this connection between the fields. Um, yeah, it's, uh, the, I think it's a, it's a place for, like, for hope. Also for an athlete who is right now injured to understand, he thinks that it's the worst thing that happened to him, but in, in the long run, it could be the best thing that happened to him. And yeah. I'd say also for clubs and owners and, and managers, you know, when they look back at, at the player, uh, considering whether to, to take on a player and they see he had a major injury, sometimes it may mean that he's a much more uh, 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 serious, professional, uh, smart, uh, uh, mature per, uh, athlete than one who never had an injury. So... You know, I think it's a point to to think of. Hundred percent, yeah. You've mentioned about a few of the clubs that you've been at, and then obviously moving in with the national team. And anyone that's eagle-eyed on the video will see you in your clinic right now as well, working yeah. working with yeah. everyone in the clinic. Um, in terms of the support, sports medicine support, sports science support in Israeli football, where does the standard lie at the moment? Um, if first of all, if, if I need to 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 try and 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 uh, uh, what's the word? My English is not perfect, you know. But uh, um, if I want to, I would say that Israeli sports medicine is characterized by probably quite or I don't know if to say very talented people. Uh, um very creative, very um, uh, with uh, passion, passionate. Yeah. But um, the, the facilities and the investment, the, the financial investment in, in sports medicine in Israel, I would say is still quite, quite low, not, not high enough. Can you hear me? Because I heard some yeah. very, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, you still got, yeah. Uh, um, so uh and that's true even for the pro clubs okay we have i would say we have three big clubs in israel which is maccabi tel aviv maccabi haifa and hapoel beersheva they've been in the european uh all kinds of uh, champion and european leagues um and there i would say is the relatively good sta uh, standards but any other most of the other teams uh, let alone talk about second division and third. I mean, I, I, I'm in the WhatsApp, WhatsApp group of, uh, of uh, the Footnos, Foot, Football Fitness Federation, and I hear uh, people talking about working in semi-pro clubs, and they, are, they have sports scientists, and they, they use force plates. And I say here, in the biggest clubs, maybe I'm not sure that they even know about those things. So I think... On, on that from that point of view we are behind we are we have still a lot to to evolve and to uh, but again uh, 
the worker, the people themselves, their brains and the way they think, I think are are good, uh, are, are probably high, quite high level, smart people. <laughs> well, well, that's a lot of the time when you speak to a lot of coaches, that that is the time when you're progressed the most as a coach, isn't it? Because you can have all the equipment, you can have all the facilities and all the things that you necessarily want, but you have to be a good practitioner alongside it as well, don't you? You have to have that creativity and that passion. So, yeah, and, it, yeah. and it probably relates very nicely what you're saying there to a, a lot of people. I know you see the conversations in the WhatsApp group with semi-professional, sometimes even amateur clubs that have got some pieces of technology, but at the same time, they'll probably want more as well. And I yeah. think it's re it's really focusing in on the skill of the coach, isn't yeah. it? You've just mentioned some of the key skills that coaches have over there. So I think that's really important. Yeah. I Again, I think I would probably say this could characterize Israeli people by, in general, being uh, on one hand very, um, uh, 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 what's the word again? Um, uh, Open-minded and very flexible-minded. Yeah. On one hand, but not being, not being very organized and systematic. Okay. Okay. So it has its bonuses. I'd say I don't know if it's a, maybe I'm generalizing, but this is what I feel the the correct that definitely my correct characteristics of uh you know maybe it comes also from from the place that you you have to improvise a lot and you have to find ways to do things without the. But let's say I spoke about when when the Spanish crew came over to Maccabi Tel Aviv and how much I learned. Suddenly, I I, I learned what is how does a systematic work looks like, you know, and thinking for the long run and and having a real plan of the season of of what you want to achieve with stages and everything. Before that, it was all very intuitive, very I'd say uh less organized and um and so the, the standards weren't went up so much and by the way every we we won the championship that season after 10 years that the club Maccabi Tel Aviv did not win any anything and very quickly the word came out of of how professionally how professional way we are working and all the clubs starting to try and and uh, uh, learn and imitate and get and get the the you know learn of what we do there, and I think this revolution that happened in our club changed the changed the way all the Israeli football, uh, the standards of of sports medicine and SNC, you know, um, so it it everybody gained from that. Yeah, brilliant. So would you say it was it was more that beforehand coaches would be reactive to things that would happen? Something would happen within a season, they'd react to it. They'd have the yeah. skills to react to it, but they yeah. weren't necessarily being as proactive and have the plan in place beforehand. Is that fair? Exactly. Exactly. Uh small less less consideration uh, of small details, you know. Um more more intuitive more uh, more art than science you know uh, this kind of thing i would say before and after that it was uh, much more much more organized and systematic yeah that's true
And I wanted to touch on a few interesting areas that we can't really relate to in the UK. The first of which is the the extreme temperatures that you're yeah. facing out there. So yeah. how does that affect preparation for games? Well, first of all, uh, it's not only the games, it's also during the week uh, practicing uh, between, I'd say between July when we usually start our practicing until round about uh, November, December, uh, we get very, very high temperatures. It's, uh, it can be around 42 uh, degrees and very humid, in at least in, uh, in the area of Tel Aviv. Yeah. less in Jerusalem. Um, I'd say, first of all, uh, we would do in Maccabi Tel Aviv, we would do, obviously, we would do a daily hydration test, obviously, just to see the level of recovery, readiness to practice, uh, urine, ur by the urine hydration test. Um, and we would do, uh, we, we would have uh, like a big, big bucket of freezing cold water with ice and like sponges and and people would do kind of uh, cooling breaks and pour, like, squeeze on themselves some uh, cold water. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously a lot of drinking uh, supervision, you know, seeing that they drink enough. Same in games, they have drinking breaks, you know, that... Uh, um, but I would say, and that is something you learn very quickly, uh, th our body is very good in adapting to heat. The risk is at the beginning uh, of when you, when you start. Uh, you learn about it a lot in the army. When you when you start practicing, the beginning of the, the preseason, and it's very hot. You have to be more careful because the body is not adapted yet, and all the cooling system is not uh, is not uh, ready yet. Is not efficient. Yeah, as efficient and. Um, and there you are in a bit more, uh, I'd say, a risk of actual injury damage. I don't remember ever really having a, a heat stroke, how you call it in English. I'm yeah, sure. heat stroke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't think we ever had that. Okay. Mm. Um, but um, but you can definitely see the reaction, the, the exhaustion, people getting exhausted much quicker. You, you would see it very much with a foreign player who would come usually at the preseason. We had a, 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 a player from Iceland, uh, Kjartansson, um, Vidar Kjartansson, who I think it, it took him, and a Swedish player, um, Rade Pritza, I think that it took them round of about three, four months to adapt. Yeah. I mean... All this period of, of the season in which the beginning of the season when it was hot, they were a completely different player. They they just couldn't adapt. Israeli players adapt in about two weeks, I'd say. That's, that's a, it's, I don't know if it's already genetic. I don't think so. Mm -hmm. or, or just, you know, our body is more uh, familiarized with it. Obviously, you also have the mental issue of, of dealing with heat. We are used to it, so mentally we don't take it as as hard as it is. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Because when you've got a, an Israeli player or a local player that has grown up, like I'm sure all the years of spending in youth football and coming through the system, that's essentially the conditions they've been playing in, isn't it? So I'm guessing yeah. for those, it's still it's still something that needs monitoring, isn't it? But like you yeah. say, players that are coming from a very very different climate 
trying to acclimatise to that is wow. very different. We we can see it with with teams that would come and play against us. Uh, if it's a national team or if it's a club, they would come and play against us in those months in those in this period of time between July and uh, you know you can find yourself playing at uh, uh, half past eight in the evening, and it's. 38 degrees and uh, 80 80% uh, humidity, you know, and they they just they couldn't they couldn't cope with it. They just mm -hmm. and even big clubs, um, in a way you could say it's a it's an advantage <laughs> for, yeah. for Israeli football. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And then the other aspect is the conflict that is going yes. going on as well. And you've mentioned obviously your experience in the army, so. How does that impact uh, the work with players as well? Well, uh, uh, regarding the conflicts, you know, every now and again, without without entering the, like the political questions and everything, you know, which uh, I think it's not the, the time to talk about that. But um, every now and again, we have like a, a, a you know, a, a, how do we call it? Like we call it rounds of conflict. You know, it's yeah. not a, um, when things get, Start uh, suddenly get very uh, wild around here, um, and uh, we would get every now and then in these in these uh, rounds we we could get like uh, uh, missiles being being shot, you know, from from Gaza to Tel Aviv. Yeah, and I re I remember a few a, more than once that uh, first of all there were times when they they would. Um, they they had to cancel practices or transfer us to different areas in the country out of reach you know of the missiles uh, mm. area i remember some cases when we had beside our pitch we had like a kind of a safety uh, room you know and um the a siren would go on during the practice and everybody would have to run to the the safety room uh, and we had a Spanish assistant coach who just he didn't want to go in. He stood outside and he just videoed the. We have the Iron Dome. I don't know if you know that. You heard about that? It's yeah. like a defensive uh, system to take uh, shoot down the missiles being shot in the air. So yeah. you can see it. You can see the the you know, um, and so some some would would see it as a. I'm talking now about the foreign staff or players some would uh, who were more used to it they would they would see it as something uh, attractive i don't know how uh, or um, yeah, yeah yeah i suppose inquisitive to actually what's going on yeah, yeah yeah but some some would uh, uh, would really it would really get them very hard if if i want to really be realistic the the actual risk is not statistically it's not very high because a because of this iron dome who really prevents most of them really hitting the ground and b it's they're not very accurate uh, uh, equipment so mm. the amount of, but it it exists i mean there is a risk uh, and that's why you have to behave in a safe way but anyway it's it's something i remember a, even a game a match uh, in which uh, um, above the stadium there, there was a like a siren went on during the match, and you could see above the stadium those missiles being uh, taken down. It was it's crazy. It's yeah, just yeah, yeah. unbelievable. 
and um, uh, you know, but it's it's something that you it, we our memory is very short. I mean, w one week after that, if after it ends this round, everything just returns to be completely normal, and everything uh, it, our I'd say our ability to return to a, 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 what's the word uh, just to normal is. Is uh, very quick, very quick with that. Yeah. Uh, by the way, there, there was a time when we, when we were with Maccabi, we were in the qualifying rounds of of a European League, and because of this conflict, uh, we weren't allowed to play in Israel, so we had to transfer all our home games to Cyprus. So uh, imagine that, you know, uh, every home game. You you fly to to play in Cyprus and uh, and away game you fly to the other country so you don't really have a home game yeah um, so that was very difficult I can't remember how how did we do in that season it may be the season that we qualified to the Champions League <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not sure but but a lot of this like we we're talking about are real disruptions in preparation aren't they but it's something that you've touched on before in terms of the skills of practitioners is that ability to adapt as well isn't it yeah that um, could be uh, one explanation yeah yeah and and that's as a skill of a practitioner i ask a lot of the times which i'll ask you shortly in terms of key attributes and key skills in your role, a lot of people say the ability to adapt, and this is what it comes down to, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I, I guess, yeah. Um, uh, I can tell another thing regarding the army, which uh, as as someone who was a, a fighter, fighting unit, I mean, the football players or the athletes are not usually, um, it, uh, at the age of 18, every Israeli is supposed to go to the army for three years. Now imagine an athlete at, at this age; it's it's the prime of his uh, development. Yeah, and needing to to go every day to the army army camp, army base, and doing I don't know whatever they do, it can really interfere in their uh, in their routines, in their ability to practice well, to rest well, to eat well. Um, most most. Football players, at least in the first division, try to reach to get uh, this special um, uh, uh, word, uh, special acknowledgement of uh, we call it uh, special athlete or something like that, in which they don't need to go for many hours to the army, but they definitely usually they cannot go and sign in a club abroad in a different country. Yeah. Only the very, very few athletes who are in the national team, for instance, they they can are being allowed to do that. But most most football players, they have to go to continue going to the base every day, um, mm. usually for a few hours, doing nothing much. Uh, I don't know. We we call it. Uh, they they are in charge of the sprinklers, you know, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> But but it's it's not easy. It's not yeah. easy. They, they cannot uh, sign a pro uh, contract. They cannot earn money, um, and it's it's something that that probably uh, holds uh, Israeli football players back in a way uh, in their development. They for that reason sometimes they develop much later in the age of twenty two, twenty four. 
And another thing regarding that is um, I, I I find my, found myself thinking a lot about the fact that as a as a fighter, uh, I remember that in my uh, in my um, uh, development as a fighter, they they would they would mainly practice my my head, my mind. Yeah, yeah. Wor working on the mentality, teaching you how how your limits are much further than what you think they are and how, you know, how much you can do, how much you don't know what you are able to do and so on and so on. With very simple techniques like, you know, making you think that an effort is going to end now and then immediately telling you, no, you have another hour or whatever. Mm -hmm. All kind of, you know, those games of mind games. Uh, including physically with a physical challenge. Uh, and I, I find myself thinking a lot how athletes, how we don't use these techniques enough with our athletes, you know, and I I, I even try to find army psychologists and, and, and maybe to consult with them, bring them to the club and see if we can, if we can use this knowledge because an athlete is being trained, I would say 80% physically, maybe 90% physically, 10% mentally. And an uh, uh, army soldier is, is almost the opposite. Uh, I'd say 80% mentally, 20% physically, you know. Yeah. You just gain the physical practice on the way. So uh, I, could, I didn't succeed in that, but I think it's something that could really, really help a sport, you know, a sportsman. And, and working as a team, because you always have to work as a team and rely on your, on your teammates and stuff. I hope you're enjoying the podcast so far with Nimrod. Nimrod is actually a member on our online community like he's talked about in the podcast. So you can see we've got practitioners from right across the world and you can join practitioners from recent signups on our podcast that have come from clubs like Hartlepool United, Aldershot Town, SC Camp Gamper over in Holland, Celtic, Leeds United, Malmo over in Sweden and many other countries as well. So join the community. You can connect with so many great practitioners in the community as well. Go to footballfitfed.com, click the community tab and sign yourself up there. It'll give you one month free. After your free month, you do get access to our members WhatsApp group where there's been some great discussions recently. And it is only £4.99 per month going forward. So make sure you go and sign up. Join our members like Nimrod on the community. Go to footballfitfed.com. Get yourself signed up on the community. And come and connect with plenty of practitioners and get the very best football fitness content. Here's part two of the podcast with Nimrod Marla. So Nimrod, you mentioned before about working with Jordi Cruyff. And the yeah. coaches that came over, but I know you've also got a bit of experience with a certain Yossi Benayoun as well, who I'm sure many people remember that name from the Premier League. So, what about yeah. takeaways from working with him as well? Well, first of all, I, I had the uh, uh, the privilege and opportunity to work with him as a as a player. First of all, he came to Maccabi Tel Aviv when I was the physio there. Um, well, the first. The first thing I can say, uh, is his his modesty, his his he's uh, I I would say in the best way I can say it, he's a very simple person, you know, but in a good way. Yeah. He he has uh he doesn't 
if you think of, of where he was re relative to an, a, to an Israeli player for sure, and where he played, and uh, he he could uh, he, he he could be in a in a small club in a in a large big club in Israel, and he would be completely the same. It, it doesn't. He doesn't look for any kind of uh, he doesn't seek any kind of special attention, special uh, uh, very, very nice, very kind, very generous, very um, and again, very modest. Mm -hmm. um, um, on the other hand, you can, in a way, even when when he came to Maccabi, maybe he was not already anymore in his best uh, abilities, let's put it that way. You can still see his uh, winner personality. You know his his uh, how he 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 seeks uh, to do everything in the best way he can do it, and and to and to con to contribute. You know he would be sitting on the bench many times, uh, and then getting uh, coming in as a substitute after very young players. And you wouldn't see anything. Uh, not only you wouldn't see any like uh, issues with that. You would see how he gets in the on the pitch and and gives uh, everything he can. And, and uh, in many cases, even uh, uh, um, score decisive goals in <laughs> in those games. Um, so amazing, amazing guy. Uh, then then he after he he. he he stopped being a player and he went into the uh, being a technical director. He went to be a technical director of Beitar Jerusalem and he brought me there, um, which I, I don't think anyone could have ever got me to to go there after being in Maccabi because in a way it's going from from a high level to going down and much less. Um, you know, I suddenly was alone. Instead of having a medical department staff, I was yeah. in my own. So, um, and and once again, as a technical director, um, on one hand, he 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 demands very high standards. Like very, uh, uh, he wants he he does not he will not tolerate you know not from players and not from staff members. Uh, being uh, I don't know lazy or or not doing uh, not doing their job not being serious. Uh, but on the other hand, talking to you like just like he's your your best friend and being so so nice and so uh, um, I I never never felt any kind of 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 uh, um, arrogance or or or. Uh, or something like that, you know, and uh, it just, in, in a way, it pushes you to be uh, not only better in what you do, but but when you do it, to be a nicer person. It yeah. reflects on everybody. So everybody turns to be kinder, <laughs> you know, so, uh, and uh, to each other. And everybody is like, uh, which is, by the way, you know, everybody knows how important that is, like the communication and connection between staff members is so very is so important for the performance of that stuff and and he just creates this environment every time. Every and time. What was his approach? Because it's funny and he's now technical director as a really technical player, wasn't he as well? <laughs> um what was what was his approach to 
S and C sports science because these technical players, obviously, he's not so reliant on his physical qualities. Really, exactly. it's more his technical. Yeah. So, what was his approach to that? You know, he was one of our first uh, guests in in our podcast, and uh, he spoke there about how when he just uh, arrived uh, first time to Spain, was it? I think, or maybe even England. Uh, he was uh, asked to go into the gym, and he just. He, he felt how it it like it made it made him slower it made him it, he couldn't bring his uh, uh, you know his qualities out and and since then he kind of stopped going to the gym because he was his body was not used to it so yeah you're you're very right he he didn't he doesn't know much about it and he but once this is another thing he he in addition to other people whom in many cases come and try and, and say, I know everything about, I have nothing to learn. I know everything about it. He always would say, you know, it's not the field I know anything about. He would give the whole, you know, the whole credit to the to the uh, practitioner to yeah. do, and he would, you know, ask questions and listen and, and so on and so on. Um, so as you said, he did not, push uh, to anything he would just give a very free and uh, um, a lot of freedom you know for for the people to do what they think obviously if things uh, wouldn't go wrong I guess he would wouldn't go well he probably would have uh, had things to say but they but uh, again um, everything done in a very very nice way that's for sure yeah brilliant a great guy I really like him <laughs> Nimrod, you must have read my mind to a point when you were discussing about some of the topics to discuss in this podcast, because I was speaking to someone the other day about the use of AI and how this is going to progress in yeah. sport and in what we do. And listen, in terms of a novice, I'm a complete novice when it comes to this topic, but I would yeah. love for you to touch on it, because I know it's something that you mentioned when we were talking about topics in terms of predicting yeah. injuries with AI. And I'm yes. sure there's going to be many other ways that this technology is going to be used. Yeah. But yeah. and we might we might look back on this podcast in a few years and be like, oh, that was the very start of it. Yeah. But what's what's your thoughts on it at the moment, and how do you utilize it? I I I'll tell you how it was how it all began. You know, at some there was a point when uh, when I was in Maccabi Tel Aviv, I was trying to think how can we maybe try and uh, and quantify or, or give even a, a number or a grade to the to the level of risk of injury to a play, of a player at any given point and you know when i i was thinking we're doing many kinds of tests uh, and many kind of the well-being questionnaire and uh, and the screening tests at the beginning of the season and um all kinds of tests during the season and we have the medical history of a player and we have the compl the the complaints uh, you know the daily complaints, and I, I, I said, you know, each and every point in in which I mentioned just now has a certain influence on the level of risk, but I don't know what, how, how, how much influence, you know. And I remember I tried to keep a kind of table of all those points, and I intuitively I would I tried to think, uh, you know, how much percentage. Uh, does every point uh, have in in the in the total risk of injury of a player 
Uh, and I just intuitively gave each each one like a grade, you know. I don't know between one and five. Is he? Does he have a in in a, in the wellness score? Is he now a one or a five? In the, this is he? And then how much percentage is this five in the general? I mean, maybe a five in in wellness is not like a five in medical history. Let's say. Uh, and I tried to create this thing for from myself. Which uh, uh, and and while I was doing it, uh, we were approached by a company, a startup co company. Um, they they were called they are still called Zone Seven. I, maybe you've heard of them. I think um, Zone Seven. Yeah. Which are which are guys that work with uh, machine learning AI. Um, they created an algorithm. At the beginning, they did it in order to to try and predict performance of their own team and. Uh, technical performance uh, I don't know something like that I can't remember but then they then I think I don't know if it was together with us or, or how but they decided to try and, and put it on the medical uh, performance put it that way and and um, I remember they started their their journey with us with the team in which they they asked us to give them all the information we get, we gather, all the data we gather on our players, GPS, wellness, uh, screening tests, uh, anything. And um, they asked us to give them back, uh, I mean, read backwards, like uh, previous seasons, that if we had the data. And they, they took our medical history uh, documentation and you know, and and from that they let the machine. They had an algorithm that the machine would learn on each player uh, when he got injured. What was his body's condition, and what did he do? What what did he go through before that? And from that, the machine the learns uh, patterns and things that for individually for each player, um, you know, what could uh, increase the risk of a certain injury. Look, I don't work there. I have nothing to do uh, with the. I don't earn anything from them, but I intuitively the the rationale. Uh, this rationale felt for me uh, crazy accurate. You know, in a way, or I don't know if accurate is the word, but it it made a lot of sense. Hmm. And uh, for from what I know uh, nowadays they get to such a specific uh, level, you know, they can, they, first of all, they tell you, according to the data, they can tell you what level of, of uh, risk a player is right now. And they tell you what kind of, of activities can he do to reduce the risk? Not, not what not to do, but what to do. Let's say yeah. they, they, the machine already knows that if he does a, a, a 1v1 drill or whatever, this, this doesn't increase the parameters that are high in this player. So he can do that. They, they actually all the time give you the uh, information of what to do with the player to reduce his risk level and to keep him in, in, in the highest level. And I think, I don't know, but I think they're very successful right now. And for me, this is, you know, uh, they, they, I remember at the time when we just started together with them, 
they I think they they were talking about around eighty percent uh, accuracy in 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 uh, what's called um, uh, accuracy in predicting. They they had like uh, obviously they they probably have quite a few false positives, you know. Um, but I guess anyone would uh, no, not anyone, but. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I don't know because that's what, as I said, I I don't work there. I have no connection with them right now. But at the time, this was uh, I found it amazing, and I think it's I think that's uh, one of the future. And and the more we the more we can give them data, the more we can have uh, we we can integrate this data because nowadays our brain is trying to integrate all the data we're collecting. I mean, we're collecting so much data about our players, but in the end of the day. The integration is until now is done by human brains, and if you compare it to AI, I think that would be probably, uh, probably a world a big difference. Yeah, it's certainly interesting, isn't it? And it's going to be, yeah. it's definitely going to be utilized in some way, shape, or form. I'm not quite sure exactly what it's going to look like in a few years' time, but in, again, in my limited knowledge on the whole topic, that. The system can basically learn habits, can't it? It can notice notice habits and trends. So, like you say, if if that is a case of that picking up um, data patterns and feeding back to us on um, things we can yeah. implement into our training, then yeah. uh, surely that can be utilized. Improving performance, and let's not even talk about uh, about the the technologies and abilities to improve us ourselves in uh, you know. In other ways, like uh, uh, genetic, genetically, and and whatever you know, these yeah. kind of things. Well, in a few years' time, when when we're doing another podcast on it, we'll be we'll be discussing exactly how it's been used, not not how it could be used. It's a whole but, it's a whole different uh, kind of uh, doping, you know. <laughs> yeah, genetic yeah. genetic doping. That's a whole <laughs> different discussion, but. Nimrod, thank you for going through all that. I really appreciate it. I wanted to move on to some of the questions that we wrap each podcast up with. Um, the first of which is, on your career, I'm guessing there's been a fair few influential people. Yeah. Who who are some of the biggest influences on your career so far? Mm, I'd say, first of all, uh, there, there's a, a doctor who I worked with for many years in Maccabi Tel Aviv and a few years before in a clinic, she's called uh, Michal Goldberg. Um, uh, something about, uh, I'd say it's about seeing the person, <clears throat> the person behind the patient, you know, actually uh, looking at the person. Um, another thing, another person uh, probably is, uh, it's a combination. It's Jordi Cruyff and Juan Torrijo, who is the uh, he was the SNC who came with Jordi Cruyff, uh, Spanish guy, and they really pushed me. They pushed me so far forwards from where I was in my knowledge about football. Uh, I mean, um, how how to how a, a real football club functions and how a medical department should look like and function and so on. Um, I'd say them. Um, that, that, that's, I think those are the, the top three. And, oh, you know what? And my, my, 
my friend who I, I go all the way, you know, the guy who I started with, he's called Obi, Obi Toledo. Um, uh, he's just a great friend and he's such a good practitioner. I, those are I the top four. I sense you might have been in trouble if you left him out then. <laughs> you know there was a point when i was his boss now he's kind of my boss it's uh, funny we're every time we're, we're switching <laughs> brilliant in terms of we've talked about skills and attributes what would you say your biggest strength is as a practitioner working with players um i think i'd have to say First of all, technically, I'd say I'm a more kind of the, the manual side of uh, it's a kind of intuition of uh, where to press, what to release and how to, to reduce your pain. That's uh, probably my best uh, technical. And I'd say uh, thinking, we call it thinking out of the box. That's, yeah. I don't know yeah. if that's how you say it in English. Yeah. You know, uh, just the integrating knowledge from one thing that I heard somewhere, one place here and another, and, and creating something completely new out of that. Creativity. Brilliant. Probably. Yeah. Awesome. And then, Rod, if you were able to give some advice to your younger self, so if you could speak to yourself maybe 10, 15 years ago, a bit earlier in the career, what would your, top, would. What would your would. top bit of advice be? <laughs> 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 wow that's a difficult one um i forgot that one <laughs> <laughs> you weren't prepared for that one were you yeah, yeah. um i'd say i'd say uh, try and and use use your your the connections that you that you had, you know, in the football world to reach out to, you know, uh, um, see other clubs, other places, other, uh, other, uh, you know, to open my mind more to other, that I, I would always just see what I have, as I said, be creative and invent things, how to make it easier. But I wouldn't, I didn't look enough outwards you know and, and to learn from uh, how it works in other places i everything i try to create on my own and i think i could make my life much easier by just seeing how it's done in other places you know that's we learn that through our career though as well don't we because you've just mentioned that that is a, a strength of you of you yeah. yourself yeah. now well yeah. obviously early on it might not have been but i think that's the just the natural progression of a coach as well isn't it yeah yeah and in terms of the final question, Nimrod, I always ask about CPD or what we call professional development, continued learning, basically how you challenge yourself as a practitioner and how you progress. What's yeah. your approach to that now? Well, first, I think if, if I need to recom recommend, you know, or, or, or for, obviously I'm, I, I think a person needs needs to continue and develop and learn all the time and I think uh, my goal in a way is to think of myself that next year I will think of my my present self as as stupid <laughs> that's my goal yeah. that's a good way of looking at it <laughs> yeah I mean I, I I'm hoping that that that's the like we were talking about the podcast before 
if if we to, to be more specific, I think and and to recommend, you know, I think in the field of physiotherapy and manual therapy, I don't know if you ever heard or anyone ever heard of uh, what's called a fascial manipula fascial manipulation technique, uh, Italian by by Luigi Stecco. He's Italian a doctor who created a a, a a technique, a manual technique, which is just mind blowing. It, it changes in a way. It changes the whole way we look at our anatomical structure, our body. It it concentrates on the connective tissue, the fascia, the connective tissue that surrounds all our body. It surrounds every tissue in our body, and in a way, it, it uh, it's a long story. I could really talk about it for hours, but but it explains in many cases how one injury that happened to me five years ago led to the next injury that I have uh, that I had five years after, and the next one that I had. 10 years after and the connection suddenly is made so clear and if it's so clear sometimes also breaking the connection is quite makes it more simple it it's unbelievable how it's even related to the internal organs uh, fu uh, function and how internal organ function can actually cause injuries in the muscular skeletal system and um and what else? Uh, and and you know how in many cases what we think is weakness of a muscle, in many cases it's just uh, not just, but it's it's uh, bad conditions in which the muscle has to function. And if you release and improve the conditions in which the muscle functions, it suddenly gets strong without you doing even one exercise. Mm -hmm. And and you really see the difference in the function and in the, in the performance. So for me, when I learned that, it just changed my life, uh, my my professional way of thinking. Uh, you, it's very global. It looks at the whole body as global. How a eyebrow cut can cause a back problem or whatever, and uh, I think that's amazing. I recommend that to every physiotherapist practitioner. Brilliant. And can you repeat? Can you repeat the practitioner? It's called fascial manipulation. Uh, Luigi Stecco or Stecco uh, technique, or I don't know. Stecco is S-T-E-C-C-O, Italian. And it's called fascial manipulation. Brilliant. Wow, it's it's amazing. <laughs> Nimrod, that's been superb. Thank you very much for coming on. I always Thank ask you. about if people want to reach out to yourself, if they want to get into discussions on some of the topics that we've covered or just, just get into a bit of communication about anything. Yeah, uh, by Where the way, would you we, tell we, people to go? We are really we are really looking forward to, to evolving our podcast into English and, and getting some uh, big big names from uh, England. But um, I'd say uh, Nimrod Mahler on, on Instagram, which is... Uh, it's not a professional uh, account. It's more private, but I, I do, I would answer. I would, uh, Facebook is the same. Um, I guess uh, PhysioPro um, or Vertex, uh, those are the two uh, places I work right now. Uh, you can look them up on Facebook or, uh, and um, that's it, I think. Email. Perfect. <laughs> we can attach your email in the show notes. So people yeah. can, can people best, can get in touch I, on email. I, 
I prefer a WhatsApp uh, phone number, you know, than anything else. And I'm well, in the WhatsApp. I won't give your number out on here, yeah. but people can request it if they want, just so yeah. we don't get any people contacting you at silly times of night when <laughs> you're trying to put the kids to bed and all the rest of it. But you know, I really appreciate you coming on, Nimrod. That's been great to catch up. I think we've covered some really some quite different topics as well on this yeah. podcast, which I wanted to do. So thank you very much for your time. It's a privilege and uh, I'm honored to be on your pod podcast. Thank you very much. You're you're a great interviewer. I learned from you a lot, even from from that aspect. You know. Thank you, mate. Appreciate your, that. Your your curiosity and and your love for information is just amazing. You're great. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Thank you. Big thank you to Nimrod for coming on the podcast. I appreciate him giving up his time. I know he listens to the podcast, so Nimrod, thank you very much. And also thank you to everybody that has listened to the episode. Please help us out by giving it a share over on your socials or send it out to anyone that you think will benefit from the episode. I know we cover plenty of di different topics on this one. Um, in terms of takeaways, Nimrod discussed around injuries changing, being a changing point in players' careers. And I think that's so right. Like There's so many times that players might not necessarily underestimate, but maybe not highlight the importance of maybe strength work and maybe some of the gym work that they do, then they get injured and it becomes more of a priority as they maybe get older as well. So yeah, it can definitely change the mindset of players. Um, being proactive, not reactive. So he talked about when the coaches came over, Jordi Cruyff and his coaches, that beforehand coaches were probably more um, reactive to what was going on, not proactive. So having that plan in place, obviously still being adaptable, um, but being proactive in your approach as well. Adaptability is another key skill that came up in this podcast and it does time and time again. So that skill of being able to adapt to different circumstances. Obviously, that was a massive one in this podcast when he's talking about the conflict and everything that's going on in the country um, to a very extreme point, obviously, that's going on over there. But it still comes down to the, the point that the practitioner has got to be able to adapt to what is going on. And then the future of AI, it's um, exciting and probably scary at the same time. Um, I've obviously only seen small parts of it. And like I said, a, a complete novice in the area. But even you using your, the, the chat option that is now available that people are asking questions to, and it's bringing up all these detailed answers. And there's definitely going to be something in this going forward. So I am actually going to try and get someone on the podcast in the next few episodes to come on and talk about it somebody that knows much more than what I do, obviously. Um, so I hope to help you out in that that um, point as well. And just on that, if anyone has got any recommendations for the podcast or any topics that you want to hear, so any people that you want to hear on the podcast or any topics you want to hear discussed, please reach out and let me know. I'm always keen for recommendations. You can email us, mail at footballfitfed.com or just over on our socials at footballfitfed. They're the best places to get in touch. And yeah, a massive thank you again for listening. Go and check out the sponsors, Rezzle and Hytro, doing some incredible work. And I will speak to you again next week in episode 229.